Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Transform people do change the world. It does feel like we are in a moment where there is a great movement happening to change not only our culture, but also maybe even our very lives. Some of my preacher friends are kind of battling through this change. They're worried about how they're going to... We all are kind of worried about how to maintain unity, how to uh, care for the church members from a distance, how to keep church members safe. Uh, My preacher friends have asked... I meet with a group we pray. We pray for uh, wisdom. What do we do with our next step? How do we uh, navigate... Um, you know, making wise choices. We pray for uh, peace. But one of the things that we haven't done is, I, I don't think we've done as a group, is we haven't mourned over what we've lost. Anytime there's any kind of significant change, a lot of times that is a loss. Um, the way we do church has changed. Our culture is changing. Um, our uh, ability to interact with one another has changed. All of those things are significant loss. And so um, we have to take a moment to grieve and mourn. And and I don't think a lot of times we know how to grieve and mourn when we encounter loss. How do you, how do you stay on? How do you, how do you stay on the path? How do you not lose your way when all the things with which we identify change? My uh, great uncle Johnny passed away uh, last week. He was either 98 or 99 because when he served in the war, he had his birthday. Uh, they flew him across the international dateline and he got to where he was going before he left. So he had another birthday party. He, uh, he identified himself as a retired military. He wouldn't let us call him a veteran of the military. He, he would complain, veterans can serve two years and then get out and they're a veteran. I served my country for years and years and years. I'm retired military. But everything he, he was 98 or 98 years old, everything with which he identified himself by changed. He retired military. His job changed. His wife that he took care of, she passed away. He outlived all of his friends. He lost his ability to move about and be the person he was. What do you do when everything with which you identify with changes? You know, we can't base our identity on things that can be taken away. We can't base our identity on um, your job. Jobs change. Can't base your identity on money because money can fluctuate. Your money can be stolen. You can lose your money. You can't base your identity on your appearance. Um, my oldest son just started his uh, last first day of school. He went to school for his senior year. And um, he wouldn't let us recreate the picture we had of him as a kindergarten student. When he was in kindergarten, we have this great picture of him walking into class and he's looking over his shoulder, holding his pillow because they had nap time. I think all school, all work should have nap time. He was holding his pillow and this look over his shoulder was like utter terror. 
And, and my wife was holding uh, our second born, Josh, and, and we wanted to recreate that picture, and Christian wouldn't let us. There's another picture of him going into his kindergarten class, meeting his teacher the first time, and there's this guy in the background holding my second born son, and I had to do a double take. I didn't recognize him. It was me. I had hair. It was dark. It was 50 pounds lighter. We can't base our identity on our appearance or our health. We can't base our, opinion, our, our identity on what we do. We cannot find significance in, in ourselves in anything that can be taken away. And if it can be taken away and you're basing your identity on it, I guarantee you it will be taken away. So what do we do? How do we become that transformational people, that movement that changes the world if our identity changes because everything around us has changed? We're dealing with political war, uh, you know, chaos and racial tension and our culture is changing. If we identify with any of those things, that can be taken away. We have to base our identity, who we are, how we have significance and security and satisfaction. We have to base our identity on something that's eternal, something that can't be taken away. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes a letter to a church that was battling a significant culture change that was battling living in a community that was constantly changing. And he wrote them, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it's also written to us, a way to have significant security and satisfaction in someone that is eternal, something that is in eternal. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we can look at how we can form our identity in something that can't be taken away. Our identity is so important. One preacher said, it's the foundation on which our individual uniqueness rests. It secures the deepest longings of our lives. And our identity is also um, determines how we react and respond to the circumstances of life. If you could imagine building a platform that is your identity and stacking everything up on it, if that identity can be taken away, you're your whole self will fall. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us what our identity should be. Would you turn, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 3. This is so important. I'm going to read uh, verses 3 through... I think I'm going to read all the way through 14. But listen to see if you can tell where Paul is telling us to place our identity, something that is, can't perish, spoil, or fade, something that can't be taken away from us. Then, and then I'm going to give you, after I finish reading, I'm going to give you a one sentence that I want you to write down, and I want you to memorize, and I want you to think about with, with this passage. Here's what Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, 
which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, if that seems like a lot of words, it is. In the original language, that's just one sentence, no punctuation. In our translations into English, we have to provide the punctuation so we can kind of understand and break it down what Paul is saying. But I want to break it down just a little bit further so we can have a clear understanding as we exit this room. And and here is the sentence we need to remember as we move forward. We need to base our identity on this one phrase. And you can write it down, keep it with you. I am a child of God. If we can base our foundational identity on that phrase, I am a child of God, no matter what the circumstances around us change to be, we will be secure in our identity. No matter if the whole world is transformed, how do you go to church and how do you come to church? How do you go into the community? How do you come in? Even how if you go and sit in restaurants, it's different than it was before. No matter what's going on, if your identity is, I am a child of God, you will not be shaken. If your family is taken away, you will not be shaken. If you lose all of your money, you will not be shaken. If your health fails you, you will not be shaken. If you can go back to, I am a child of God. If you can embrace being a child of God, you will have satisfaction, security, and significance forever. It's an eternal promise that does not perish, spoil, or fade. First, I want to talk about significance. You will have significance if you can embrace being a child of God. Look at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. You will have significance if you can embrace being a child of God. Look at what 4 and 5 says. Verse 4, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption. To be chosen, wanted, and desired is a beautiful place to be. And the Scriptures here says, God chose you. This, This is incredible. And it's not like a choosing, like um, God sees you drowning and he says, oh, I need to rescue you before you drown. So I'm going to choose to rescue you and bring you out because that would be beautiful in itself. But that's not his choosing. That's not what it means when it says he chose us. And it's not like he sees us living in our culture, going in and out of what uh, can be described in some areas as toxic or, or scary or dangerous. And it's not like he sees us in this culture and says, I don't want my child in that culture, so I'm going to bring you out of that culture. No, no, no. It says he chose us before the creation of the world. Before the culture was even formed, he chose you. He desires you. He wants you to be in His family. Chosen before the creation of the world. Sam Collier, preacher Sam Collier, uh, is twins, him and his sister Sarah. 
and they were adopted before they were a year old. Uh, Sam has written a book uh, called A Greater Story, Why Rescue Your Purpose and Our Place in God's Plan. Excuse me, A Greater Score. My Rescue, Your Purpose, and Our Place in God's Plan. Sam tells this story, and it's an incredible story, and you can find it online. Uh, Sam, who was adopted when he was about 26 or 27 years old, his dad, who was a barber, came to him and his sister, and he said, God just told me that Steve Harvey is going to help you find your biological parents. And Sam goes, are you crazy? We don't even know Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey had a talk show. And about a, a year after his dad told him that, his sister had written into the Steve Harvey show and said, we're adopted and we're looking for our biological mom. And the Steve Harvey show called them a year later and said, we want to find your mom for you. We're going to search for your mom. We want you to come on our show. And they brought Sam and Sarah, these twins, onto their show. And Steve said, uh, it's so sad. We've investigated. We've looked. We haven't been able to find your mom. Uh, but if you could, if you would let the nation know, this is a nationwide show that we're still looking, what would you say to your mom? And Sam said, you know, I, I would say that I love you. I, I want to meet you. I want to find out if I have any brothers or sisters. And we just are going to keep looking for you. And then Steve Harvey did this. He said, well, I lied. She's backstage. We're going to bring her out. Now, this makes for great TV, but this is a terrible thing to do to somebody. And Steve Harvey brought out Sam and Sarah's mom and his brothers and sisters, and they had this reunion on stage, and it was beautiful. Sam tells the story, though, that his adoptive parents chose him. When his mom was younger, when his biological mom was younger, she couldn't keep Sam and Sarah and keep them safe, so she gave them up for adoption. And his dad and his mom, when they went to the adoption agency, the adoption agency said, you don't want these two. These two come from a drug family. We don't know how they're going to turn out. We think they're probably going to have a learning disability and they're going to be a lot of trouble. You don't want these two. And he said, my dad and mom chose us and took us home and made us part of their family. He said being chosen was the greatest thing in the world. Being loved and desired by somebody was excellent. He said, and his parents never held back that they were adopted. They always let it reminded them that they were adopted. And he said when they went to preschool, him and his sister thought it was the coolest thing to be chosen and loved and brought into a family. And they told all their preschool friends, we're adopted. And he said they met somebody else in their classroom who was adopted. And that person said, I'm adopted too. And they had a little celebration because it was so cool that that person was adopted and wanted and they were adopted and wanted. And he said it was so fun in their preschool class, all the other preschool kids wanted to be adopted too. And they went home to their parents and said, can we be adopted? Because they saw the joy of being wanted and being desired. Paul lays out, you are significant and you have worth because God wanted you. He desires you. He chose you. It's like the adoption agency is surrounding us and saying, you don't want that person. Look at all their past. Look at what they've done. Look at their imagination. Look at their thoughts. Look at the words they've said and the actions they've done. And God says, no, I want them and I'm going to bring them home. And that's how Paul goes on. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption. God chose you, desires you, and brought you home. Now, in the Roman world, in Paul's day, when somebody became adopted, what happened is the, the father of the family would write out a certificate of the will and said, all my possessions go to this new child, my adopted child. That was the significance in Paul's day of being adopted. God says, I want you to have 
an eternal inheritance. I want you to have all of my blessings and riches and I want to give them to you because I choose you and I take you home as mine. That's chosen and adopted. And he just doesn't want to change our identity to be part of the family of God. He says, I I want you to be holy and blameless. Holy is this word for set apart. That means we are to be used in God's kingdom for His work. And blameless means we're going to be different than the culture we're in. Set apart for God's work and we're going to be culturally different. So when we go into the community and everybody else is fighting and arguing and calling names, we are peace-giving And when everybody else is hating each other because of their political views, we are love-embracing. And we won't be drawn into debates, but we will go to intercession in prayer because we were set apart for God's work and we're going to be culturally different. And people are going to look at us and they're going to say, what is different about you? And you can say, I have significance and value and worth because I'm chosen by God, adopted into His family, and you can be too. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me and what He can do for you. Set apart for God's work, holy and blameless. You're going to be culturally different. And this will give you significance because I am a child of God. You can repeat that and know that you were chosen and adopted. Significant. Not only will you have significance because you're a child of God, but you also have security because you're a child of God. Look at verse 7 and 8 in this passage. This passage is so, there's so much here. We're skipping around a little bit. 7 and 8 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. Redemption and forgiveness, those are kind of church words. Grace is kind of a churchy word. Uh, Redemption carries with it this idea of being refurbished. Like imagine if you had a piece of jewelry that was beautiful, shiny, and sparkly, and valuable, and you dropped it off at the dump, and they covered it over with more dump, and it sat there for 10 years. And then later, 10 years from now, some kind of dump archaeologist finds this piece of jewelry, and he takes it home, and he cleans it, and he makes it valuable and beautiful again, and it sparkles again. It's made new. Redemption has that kind of language to it. It also has the a slave being bought out of slavery and set free back into his original country kind of language to it. Redemption means to buy and set free. And for God, it was very costly to purchase us. When Jesus was sent to earth, God's Son Jesus sent to earth, He was sent to buy us through His sacrifice on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross and died and His blood was shed, that was the payment that was due, the ransom that was due to redeem us. The payment was blood and it bought us. It bought us out of who we were and set us into a new life in God's kingdom. And when we get that new life, when we are purchased by Jesus' blood, that's when we receive forgiveness. All of our sins are covered over with. And God says it's lavish grace that He pours over us. It's grace that pours over us, rises to our ankles, knees, waist, until we are totally immersed in God's grace. There is nothing that you have done that He cannot forgive. There's no past that can't be covered over with God's grace. There's no guilt that you have that cannot be removed when Jesus buys you with His blood and sets you free and covers you with lavish grace, giving you forgiveness. Knowing that you've been bought by God and forgiven of all your sins, the God, the judge, declares you not guilty. He declares you His own son, His own daughter, His child. I am a child of God. 
knowing that you're forgiven and bought gives you great security. Nobody can take that away. When you are in Christ, one of Paul's favorite phrases in between Ephesians and Colossians, I think he uses almost 30 times. When you are in Christ, that's his code word for being united with Christ in the family, chosen, adopted, redeemed, bought back, forgiven. When you are in Christ, it is totally, eternally secure. If that is your foundation and that is your identity, no matter what happens later, it can't be taken away. Terry Wardle, Pastor Terry Wardle, who wrote the book Identity Matters, I got this story from there. He said when he was 10 years old, his mom finally let him ride his bike across town to grandma's house. Now before, he was allowed to ride his bike on his street, and he was allowed to ride his bike around the neighborhood, but he was never allowed to go across town, across the railroad tracks, across the bridge to grandma's house until he was 10 years old. And he felt He said when he started off on that bike and he left his neighborhood, he was finally free. He was finally a man. He was finally somebody. Now he said, granted, I was riding a girl's bike. It was a girl's bike that had been handed down from his sister. But to him, it was so manly. His grandpa had painted it and put saddlebags on it. He was almost like a cowboy. And he crossed the railroad tracks and he started crossing the bridge. And that's when four teenage boys stepped out in front of him. They didn't let him pass. He said they grabbed his bike and knocked him off of it. They said they started roughing him up and making fun of his girl's bike. And they said, kid, we're going to do two things. We're going to steal your bike, but before we do that, we're going to beat you up. And he said they drew their fists back and held his shirt, and right before he threw the first punch, they said, by the way, what's your name? And he said, Terry Wardle. And they froze. And they said, do you know Tom Wardle? Tom Wardle was one of the high school football stars, played defensive end, and was big and mean. Terry said, in my mind I thought, Tom Wardle, he's one of my distant cousins. I've seen him at a family reunion. He probably doesn't know who I am. So I did the best thing that I thought in the moment. I lied. He said, yeah, that's my brother. He said, they dropped their hands. They straightened his shirt. They said, we were just kidding. You're a pretty good kid. We want you to know that we want you to be our friend. And if anybody messes with you, we'll take care of them because we like you, Terry. And we like your brother too. Bring his bike back. And they brought his bike back and they set him on it. And they said, hey, why don't you have a good day? And then they took off and ran. Terry said, he thought he was somebody until the circumstances around his life changed. And then he realized he was only somebody when he was connected to the bigger, older, stronger brother. If we connect ourselves to being in Christ and we connect ourselves to Jesus, we become somebody. We have significance and security. But it's only when we connect to that eternal person, Jesus Christ, that we get that significance and that security. And Jesus lays out how to do it. Paul lays out how to do it in the language he uses. Here he says what it is. It says it's by grace you have been saved because Jesus gives it to you as a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. 
It's a free gift of God. It is by grace and it's through faith. You have to trust Jesus. Will He did die and rise from the grave and you have to entrust your whole life to Him. It's by grace through faith in baptism. This is the language Paul uses. How else do you get in Christ? How else do you unite yourself with Christ except being baptized? Paul says that when you're buried with Jesus in this way, you will be raised by faith as a new creation. When you're buried in Jesus this way, your old life is killed and your new life is found as you're raised up out of the water. Just like Jesus rose up out of the grave. It's a perfect picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul says you are saved by grace through faith in baptism. You want to be united with Christ. You want to be in Christ because that is where you're going to get eternal significance and eternal security. If you're at home today and you're watching, you have to make a decision. It's time. And Paul is urgent in his message and Jesus is urgent in his message and the church is urgent in our message. Everywhere in Scripture, it's an urgent call to make the decision today to be united with Christ. And if you're here in the room, today is the day. Don't miss it. Later today at 1.30, we're going to have up to maybe three baptisms, maybe a little bit more. Pastor Virgil at uh, the fastest, largest growing church in Port William, Port William Church. Um, They have this youth group that meets. And Emily, one of our students, uh, has gone out there the last three summers. Emily Davison has been the children's and youth minister for them. And she was again out there this past summer. And every time Emily goes, they have this revival that happens in their youth program. And there are three more children that want to be baptized. Last time she went last summer, there were seven. And Virgil today is going to bring three students here to be baptized in our facility. But they're not being baptized into the Wilmington Church of Christ. They're not being baptized into any church. They're being baptized into Jesus. Because they've made a decision that they want to be in Christ, united with Him, and they know they have eternal significance and security in Jesus. Today is the day. Don't wait any longer. By grace, through faith, you will be saved. I like how uh, Scripture throughout talks about how I am a child of God, and that's going to give us that significance and security. In Galatians 3.26, it says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. In John 1.26, But to all who did receive, who believe in His name, He gave the right to be children of God. Being a child of God gives us that significance and security. In 1 John 3.1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. I am a child of God. When you start getting too high on yourself, you need to preach this phrase to yourself. I'm a child of God. And you need to remember that Jesus died because of your sin. When you start getting too low in yourself, you need to preach to yourself this word. I'm a child of God. And you remember Jesus loves you so much that He sacrificed His life because He wants you and chooses you. I am a child of God. This will be our identity. Our identity determines our significance, our worth. It determines how we react to each other, and it determines what we do. Next week, we're going to be talking about what we do, our our responsibilities. Last, today, our identity also gives us satisfaction. Look at verse 11 and 13. Just the first part of 11 here. In Him, we were also chosen... Skip on down to 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I like how Paul uh, started this passage talking about you all. It's a, it's a plural you in the Greek. And I love that word. I'm from, from Kentucky, and that's a great word for me too. Y'all. Y'all were chosen and adopted 
redeemed and forgiven. And then Paul says in verse 11, we were too. And then he comes back to 13 and says, y'all are in it as well. And what he is saying there is, together, we belong together. We are the church, the body of Christ. We have great satisfaction because we know where we belong. Our identity, I am a child of God, also tells us where we belong. We belong to this community of believers. And we are united with believers all over the world. No matter where you live, if you are in Christ, you are a believer in Christ. And if you are online and you are in Christ, you are my brother, you are my sister. We belong together. And this gives us satisfaction. We are all looking for a place to belong, to a place where we are accepted, where we are held accountable, where we are helped grown into maturity. And that happens when we're in community. And I got to tell you, there is something spectacular that happens when we are in community physically face-to-face. And that we get to sing with one another and see how we praise Jesus with one another. And that encourages our soul. And then we hold each other accountable and we say, are you living according to this? Are you being set apart according to the Word? Are you working and serving the Lord? Because that proves how you are in Christ. And we get to teach each other what the Word means. We get to pray with one another. That happens when we're in this community and we belong because we're in Christ and we belong to one another. If you don't have Christ and you are not in this community, you are missing out on the only eternal foundation for your belonging that the world can offer. It is in Jesus where we find satisfaction and belonging. I like how Paul says we were sealed, marked with the Holy Spirit, kind of like if you can think about those old-timey letters where they put a wax a wax, a piece of melted wax, and they put their ring into that wax sealed. It says this is from the king. It says the Holy Spirit seals us, marks us. I kind of like to think of it as luggage at uh, the airport. When the luggage comes on the conveyor rack and you know which bag is yours, it's kind of like God has sealed us, marked us for pickup. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to know which one is us which one is His, and take back with Him. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then He says, we've been given this down payment. The Holy Spirit's given us a down payment of what our inheritance is going to be. We get to taste what the heavenly gifts are, the spiritual gifts in Christ are now that we're going to have in full when Jesus comes back and we see Him face to face. A down payment, a foretaste of the good that is going to be ours that we're already experiencing now. God cares for us. He loves us. He thinks about us. He desires us. He chooses us. He adopts us. He buys us through the blood of Christ. He forgives us of all of our sin. And He gives us a community to belong to. He gives us satisfaction, security, and significance. So how do we respond? Even the Scripture gives us what our response should be. Paul continues on. Here's what he responds with. He responds with prayer. Can you imagine that he would pray, that we would pray in this response? Thanksgiving and prayer is the uh, caption in my Bible above verse 15. Let me read just a couple of verses, and then we will join with Paul in this prayer. For this reason, Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. For this reason. Remember the reason he said? 
Chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, belonging to a community. For this reason, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's what his prayer is. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. When you're united in Christ, we want to know him better so that we can be more grounded over time, deeper and deeper rooted in Jesus Christ, especially in his love. That's our eternal significance. That's our eternal security. That's our eternal satisfaction. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. A for sure future. That's what Paul prays. That's what we can join him in prayer. That's what we need to pray for ourselves and people we know. Right now, would you think in your mind about somebody that you know that needs to have the identity that only Christ can give them? Maybe it's a family member or a coworker or somebody at your school. Maybe it's somebody that you just know as a friend or acquainted with. Maybe it's somebody you bumped into. Would, would you ask God to give you a picture of who you need to pray for? And you can do this for us. And would you record yourself praying? Would you take out your phone later today, not right now, but later, and just record yourself praying for your family member or friend. Don't mention them by name. Just say, this is a friend of mine. This is a family member that I'm praying for. And pray this prayer of Paul for them. That they would know Jesus. That they would know the hope that only Jesus offers. Real simple. Jesus, I'm praying that they would know you. That they would know the hope that you offer. Maybe you could even throw in the words that Paul used in the first part that we've already talked about. I'm praying, Lord, that you would choose them. I'm praying, Lord, that they would be adopted into your family. I'm praying, Lord, that you would forgive them. Would you record yourself praying and then send that to us so we can post it on Facebook, so that we can share it with the church, so we can see the church's response is prayer? If you're at home, would you record yourself praying for your friend? Don't mention it by name. Don't, don't give any too many details that they can identify, just let us know that you're praying for that person to know Jesus so that they can have an identity that is, that is secure and eternal just like we do. And if you're at home and you want to make a decision for Christ, would you let somebody know? Email us, send a, a connection card to us, uh, write in the chat room, you want to make a decision for Christ. And if you're here in this room, will you meet me afterwards if you want to take your next best step to be united with Christ? I'll be standing at the back door with a mask on when we finish. We want you to be in Christ too. You can be like those three young students that today will be buried in, into Jesus' death and burial and raised by faith to a new life, a new creation. The baptistry has been broken for the last couple of weeks, and the water has been room temperature, which feels really cold, but the heater is working today. You can get baptized. We'll send you clothes to get baptized in. You don't even have to go home wet. You can be dried off, and it can be a warm embrace of the Father by committing your life to Christ today. Don't leave. It's urgent if you still need to make that decision. Last thing today, Jesus gave us a weekly reminder of our significance, our security, and our satisfaction when he told us to, to participate in communion. 
We know from the early church that they met weekly and broke bread on the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20, it tells us that they broke bread on the first day of the week. And so we take that as a precedent set by the first church to take communion every time we meet together on the first day of the week. It's not a command. It's something we love doing. But it reminds us so much of what Jesus has done. Would you take out your bread and your cup? When Jesus met with His disciples, He took the bread and broke it. And He said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of Me. And don't you know that when we remember His broken body, we're reminded that He loves us so much and values us so much that He chooses us and then willingly gives up His life so that we could be saved and forgiven and adopted into His family. Would you eat this bread and remember what Jesus has done for you? And open that cup. And after the bread, He took the cup. And He said, do this in remembrance of Me. This is the blood of the new covenant. Don't you know that when we drink of this cup and we are remembering what Christ has done, we're reminded of the security we have of the, through the forgiveness He offers us in Jesus Christ. His grace covers over our sin through the blood of Christ. This cup reminds us that. Would you drink the cup and remember the security you have in Christ? And I love how Jesus told us to do that when we get together. Because He knows that when we belong to a community, we can have deep satisfaction in our soul. And it's all based on that one phrase, I am a child of God. We want you to be a child of God too. So make a decision for Christ and let us know. If you're in this room and you want to get closer to Christ, let us know and we'll help you take your next best step. I'm going to have a stand and then we'll close with prayer. Please stand. When I finish praying, we'll be dismissed. Thank you for joining us today and I hope God's Word is transforming you to be His people. Let's pray. God, I thank You I thank you for the significance you give us with that identity in Christ. Lord, help us to remember that phrase, I am a child of God. Allow us to preach that to ourselves as we go into our culture to invite others to know what you have given us. Thank you for that significance and security that we have because we're in Christ. I praise You, Lord, and I'm so thankful for this community of believers that allows me to be a part of them. I find belonging here all through Your grace. God, would You increase our knowledge of You, but also deepen our relationship with You as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.